Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. village and um, God just really just is doing something uh, in our hearts just becoming aware of of the 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 blessing that God has for us in our current circumstance in today wherever you are you are fully blessed in that and, and so there's a distraction that comes and wants to take us away from what God has given and the blessing that God has already given us and I you know when we started lockdown uh, there was just a, a, a message that I shared about Jesus who, you know, while he was um, in the crowds, they came with bad news. And the Bible says, ignoring and not listening or not being distracted by the bad news. He said, let's go. And he took with him those who believed. And so this morning I just was reminded of, um, we, we're speaking about God's salvation for us, but also um, today, just about what it means to to believe and and to have faith, um, and so um, I want to kind of start off with just first giving a genetics lesson. Can I do that? Is is that okay? <laughs> is, it depends. May I say vaccine in the church? Is that okay? May I speak about the vaccine? Who wants to hear about the vaccine? Put your hands up. All right. Who doesn't want to hear about the vaccine? Why not? <laughs> All right. I'm just going to start off, and, and the reason I'm going to talk about it briefly, um, I'm going to say Bernadine and I got our shots two weeks ago. Um, there was other people in the church that were there as well, just by chance. And um, last week we spoke about not being distracted, and guess what happened on Monday? distracted. WhatsApps coming in, people, you know, just in, in family groups and all of that, just about how, you know, the vaccine is like the mark of the beast and, and you know, the whole 5G thing. It's not the first time I've heard it. It was just that this message, Bernadine took the message that was sent on WhatsApp, copy-pasted it into Word, and it was a 13-page Word document at size 11 font that was WhatsApped. That w- it just was like, you know, it just spelled out everything bad about the vaccine. And, and we're sitting there and, and I'm saying, you know, I shouldn't care, but I do. How many of you have thought that? Like, I shouldn't care, but I do <laughs> about it. And, and, and I just want to say what the vaccine is not. The vaccine has no spiritual power over you at all. And it baffles my mind that believers can believe that it has physical or I mean spiritual power over people. And this thing went on to say we're going to lose our God gene and the ability to connect to God, and, and that we're not going to be able to hear Him, and then when 5G and 6G come in, it's like, it's just like, 
goes nuts and bananas. And, and, and so I think what, what got to me was the fact that people actually believe this. What gets to me more is, is that you know, people will actually write this stuff and send it. And the reason they're doing that is because the world likes unbelief. And so it's targeting the spirit of unbelief. Now, Bernadine has a genetics biology or genetics textbook and understands the, the, the biology of how it works. And basically, I got a shot in my arm that is like a, a message. So it's an RNA. It's, it's RNA. How do I put it? It, it's, it, it, sends, it sends an RNA message into my muscle. And in my arm... My arm then creates proteins that look like the virus's proteins. And those proteins the body then recognizes as foreign. And then your body attacks the proteins. And once it understands and recognizes the proteins, it's got antibodies and T-cells that will one day fight COVID, if, if you get COVID. That's the basic biology. So I'd read about it, I'd heard about it, I was comfortable getting the shot. I went to go get the shot, my arm was sore. That's my arm creating proteins. How many of you know when you exercise, you get a sore arm? Because there's a chemical process taking place, which is way too complex for me to explain and not necessary. But your arm gets sore because of chemical processes that take place. And the less push-ups you've done in the life, the quicker you will get sore. <laughs> so the pain felt similar to not having done push-ups and then having to do lots of push-ups. And then my lymph gland under my arm got sore. That is now my body recognizing the proteins that my arm has created. That whistling sound is the, the heaters. Okay, so, so now my body has recognized the foreign proteins and it creates antibodies. And it's those antibodies that will live for the next seven to eight or nine months in my body. And then they too will be gone. So here is what the, the vaccine is not. The vaccine is not a DNA vaccine that is going to get into your vaccine and live in your body forever and change who you were created to be. That is what the vaccine is not. The, your body's DNA sends RNA messages throughout your body. There's a picture in this textbook that I looked at in Bernadine of DNA in the nucleus. And this DNA shoots out RNA signals, but RNA signals cannot get into the DNA. So basically what you're getting in your arm are email messages. Does that make sense? You're getting a message that goes to your muscle fibers and tells it to create proteins. And as it uses that instruction, it deletes it. How many of you have been to the shop with your shopping list? And when you've bought your shopping list, those RNA messages go into your muscle they get used up, and within a week, you have no more RNA in your body. You have 
proteins that your body is fighting. And eventually all you're left with is your body's ability to recognize those proteins. That's that. Now, I'm not saying you must go get the vaccine, but I'm saying the vaccine is not something that will change your DNA, and it's not something that will change your spiritual makeup. The vaccine will also not stop you from getting coronavirus. Does that make sense? The vaccine will also not stop you from spreading coronavirus. Because seven or eight months from now, you can get coronavirus. It's still going to take a couple of days for your body to recognize what's in it. And then it's going to remember, ah, and it's going to create antibodies again. So you, you can still get it. You can still pass it on. What I'm saying by that is the vaccine is your choice. And it is your choice to get because you are only protecting yourself when you get the vaccine. By and large, you protect the larger population by getting over it quicker. But you can still get it and you can still pass it on. And those are kind of the the information things that are used to say, you see, it doesn't work and it doesn't help and it, it, it doesn't that. And, and now we're sitting with people who have lost loved ones purely because they didn't want to get vaccine. I'm, I'm talking future-wise. We're still in the early days. But, but there are messages that are going out saying, don't get it, don't do that. There are people who could potentially lose their lives because they've chosen not to. And so I want to say that don't be afraid. Don't, be, don't believe conspiracy theories and where it comes from. Have your faith and your focus on Jesus and on him. And don't be afraid of, of conspiracy, if I can put it that way. I just, you know, does that make sense? Does everyone, feel, does everyone feel a little a bit more encouraged about it if you were wondering or what? There, you know, I just, I just had a lot of peace for myself. And Bernadine had to have peace for herself. And yes, when sitting in that room getting the shot, because of all the noise, there was a moment where I was like, this is it, shorty. <laughs> but what I experienced in my body is what I understood would happen. And there are unknowns. There is, we don't understand the long-term effects and all of that. But listen to the Holy Spirit when it comes to it. Okay. So I want to talk about faith. Um, I want to talk about what really can affect your DNA. <laughs> um, what really can get into, what really affects your body more. How many of you know that faith can affect your physical DNA. Hello? And the way that, and the messages that it sends out. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Caleb, who is 85 years old, and he says to Joshua, can I go and take Hebron? Because look, my body looks exactly the same as 85 as it did when I was 40. (laughs) Someone say amen. Okay. Something happened in his body that altered his physical appearance and slowed down his aging because of his faith. The opposite of faith is fear. 
and the fruit of, that, of the tree that you see, the fruit that you see hanging on the tree, the outcome of fear is stress and anxiety. How many of you know that it has the power to deteriorate your body? These gray hairs came out in the last two weeks after the vaccine. I don't know what's going on. It's got nothing to do with stress. <laughs> but your faith determines your body's outcome. Can I say it that way? Because the Bible says, may your body prosper even as your soul, your spirit prospers. So the driving force of your life is your spirit. It is your faith. And fear is not the absence of faith. This is a good quote someone said. I don't remember who, but fear is not the absence of faith. It is the presence of unbelief. Unbelief is something. It's, fear doesn't come from not having faith. It's a choice. And I've had to learn that every time I'm afraid, I have to realize I am choosing to have unbelief. I am choosing the, f- the fear over and above the faith. Every single time. And I've, that's why last week we spoke about, ask every thought, say, hey, do you belong in this village? Do you belong in my mind? The Bible says take every thought captive. That means every thought has to be stopped at the gate and has to be interrogated and say, where do you come from? Do you come from my faith or do you come from unbelief? Choose faith. Is that good? All right. So with that out the way, let's talk about the mark of the beast. How many of you want to hear about the mark of the beast? <laughs> Someone tell me, what's the mark of the beast? Anyone? 666, where? On your forehead, there, on your, on your arm, in a 5G trip, chip. As soon as I posted on Facebook, we, we got our thing. Someone said, I hear you get chips in your arms. He's hoping it's Doritos. Um, <laughs> all right. It, 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 what is the mark of the beast? The mark of the beast, let me say this today, is not something physical that can affect your life. It is nothing physical that can affect your life. The mark of the beast is actually a spiritual mark. And I want to just open up our minds just a little bit with regards to what the mark of the beast is. The opposite of the mark of the beast is these signs shall follow. These signs shall follow those who believe. And suddenly I saw the word mark not as the stamp that gets put on your forehead and gets forcefully put in your life that you can't do this and that and can't be part of the kingdom. If these signs follow those who believe, then these marks will be present on those who unbelieve. Does that make sense? <laughs> the mark is more of a fruit in that is revealed in the spirit than something physical that is stamped on people. The devil's not that dumb. He's not going to stamp everyone on their head and be like, they'll never know. <laughs> no, no, the... the, the 
the mark of the beast is something that has been around from the beginning of time and is prevalent in our world and is visible already. And it's the fruit of unbelief. Just as the Bible says, everyone who does not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, carries the spirit of the Antichrist, is against Jesus Christ. There is not one Antichrist being that will arrive. It is a spirit that is carried on those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. They are against Jesus. They collectively are the Antichrist. And they carry collectively the sign of the beast. The mark. They have been marked by unbelief. Now Hebrews 4, uh, just go to Hebrews 4. And because we're in Hebrews 4, we have to go a little bit back into Hebrews 3. You know what I think about Hebrews. You can't read one part without going back. So Hebrews 4 says, therefore, which means we have to go two verses back. Verse 18 says, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who disobeyed, those who refused to be compliant or to be persuaded? So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to believe, to trust in God. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered, let us be afraid to distrust. Let us be afraid of one thing, to distrust the offer of entering into his rest. When, when God says, you can enter into my rest, there are people going, I don't know if I can believe that. I don't know if I can enter into his rest. You see, the, the mark of unbelief, the, the fruit of unbelief are people who say, I don't know what I believe. And I don't know what I can trust. I don't know if this is true. I don't know if I can hold on to that. You see, unbelief does two things. It makes you not believe anything and it makes you believe everything, if that makes sense. The mark of unbelief is doubt, is unwillingness to make decisions based on truth. And truth is not facts. And truth is not democratic. Can I say that? See, our society likes to think that truth is democratic. Well, if 25 out of 30 voted for it, it must be true. And so we're not able to make decisions. Unbelievers are not able to make faith decisions. And when they do make a decision, they're going, well, let's first see what everyone else says. That's why... Joshua and Caleb's DNA was completely transformed because when they went into the promised land, they saw the promise of God and they came back and they testified of it. And they said, come on, we can believe in God's promises. And then they had a democratic vote. And 10 out of 12 voted no. And everyone walked away from that meeting and said, it's a good thing we had a vote. Feel good about that wise decision. 
See, truth is never democratic. Truth is truth. Truth doesn't wait for opinions. Truth is sometimes uncomfortable, but truth always points to God's promises for our lives. So we can't make decisions based on what other people say. We can't make decisions weighing up the good and the bad. Because when we do that, we open the door for belief and unbelief. When we make decisions weighing up the good and bad, we're saying, well, there might be this or there might be that. It's never either or. It's always belief. And it's always commitment to belief. So God has promised us a rest. And really that's what it feels like. Because God doesn't have one road for you. How many of you believe that? that, Or how many of you know God doesn't have one thing in store for you? His word over and over says, do what you find your hand. Whatever you find your hand doing, do it. Respond in his nature to different events, different circumstances. And walk responding to his presence. That really is rest. He never does things the same way. Unbelief always looks for the physical that can affect on the spirit. It's always looking at the opposite. It's always looking at things the opposite way around. A believer knows knows his spiritual well-being determines his physical well-being. The unbeliever is concerned that what is on the outside is going to determine his spiritual well-being. And so in in, um, Jeremiah 7, let me just turn there quickly. Is everyone still with me? Jeremiah 7, it's verse 11, and I read this and I was just so surprised, you know, in, in, this, in this verse. When you hear the words, will this house become a den of robbers, who do we normally attribute that to? Hello? Someone in the Bible said, will this house become a den of robbers? Who was that? It was Jesus. In the temple, right? When he walked into the temple and he threw over the the tables, he said, will my house become a den? He was actually quoting Jeremiah. And this is Jeremiah 7 verse 11. Will, has this house, which is called in my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? And if you go a little bit back there, it says, will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and go after other gods that have not yet that, that you have not known, and then dare to come to me and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are set free, only to go on doing wickedness. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes, a place for retreat? Behold, I myself have seen it, says the Lord. But go now to the place which is in Shiloh, where I set my name at first, And see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. Now Shiloh is Samuel, Samuel, not Samuel, Eli's sons took the Ark of the Covenant out of the temple. And they took the Ark of the Covenant to battle. And they brought God's presence to battle. And what happened? 
the enemy still destroyed them and stole the Ark of the Covenant. So they thought, hey, if we go to battle with God's presence with us, we're going to win it anyway. See, they were taking the presence of God into an environment of unbelief. And they were using unbelief. Hello? They are so outward focused. Now remember, Eli's sons weren't good priests. They were using their position of power. They were using the temple for their own gain. They were sleeping with women at the door. They were using the temple money for their own deeds. So they were unbelievers. Hello? Can we agree? So unbelievers who are outward focused looked at the ark and they thought, we can go wherever we want. We just have to take the ark with us. And what happened? Yeah. And Eli fell off his chair and died. And Samuel became the prophet. So yeah, God is saying, don't think you can live in unbelief. Don't think you can be outward focused. And then when you need help, say we will be safe. No, no, look back at Shiloh. Look back at those days. But now the thing about God is, and the thing about faith is, He still needs our physical action. So we have Moses. They're going into battle. He sends Joshua into battle, but this time with the presence of God. And he says to Moses, hold up your hands. And while Moses is holding up his arms, what's happening? There's victory. What happens when he drops his arms? Defeat. So there's Moses. Arms up, staff out, victory. Arms down, defeat. Arms up. And they realize this guy needs to get his arms up. So they build stone pillars under his arms. He has a seat and he's sitting there with his arms up. I wanted to do a competition today to see who can keep their arms up the longest in church. Anyone want to just, you know, come stand up here with, you know, bring you and your, and your wife's Bible and just hold them like, there you go, Christine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we nominate Shaul. We <laughs> your challenge is to keep your arms up until I'm finished preaching. Go. All right. <laughs> There's Moses and he's having to do something physical, the action along with the faith. See, this is why truth is so weird. It's because truth requires an action, but it's an action that comes from spiritual belief. And it's not unbelief acting in an environment of unbelief. So you can do the right things in the wrong places. And not see the fruit of God in those areas. You can be in the wrong place and go, God, will you come? Will you restore? Will you bring me up out of that? So, 
the mark of the beast. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> there is a religious environment that wants to take you from the presence of God yeah. into unbelief. There is a religious environment that is set up to block you from experiencing God's presence. To block you from truth. This WhatsApp and all of this stuff that we believed is just fruit of that environment that causes doubt. That causes people to go, but what do I believe? And it's actually feeding the spirit of unbelief. It's feeding that, I don't know what, it's, it's just feeding that spiritual environment. And so, I was sharing this with our leaders a month ago, asking what the number 666 is. And I thought, well, let's go to Isaiah 66 verse 6 for fun. Can we go there? Alright, so turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 66 verse 6. Yeah? I forgot where Zoe is, along with Justin. It's, it's page, uh, it's page 822, 823, there we go. Isaiah 66 verse 6 says, <laughs> Hark, I, I, made, I, I made a joke, I can't make that joke here. That's why Justin's laughing. An uproar from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of God rendering recompense to his enemies. God is saying, here, listen, there is a voice in the temple, a voice rendering recompense, a voice that is shouting out in front of its enemies. And as I read that verse, I saw Jesus turning over tables in the temple, turning over and shouting out against those who were blocking people from experiencing the presence of God. And the way that they did it was by forcing people to pay to experience God's presence, if I can just paraphrase that. By forcing people to buy temple money at an inflated price and only certain people could come in and buy, and only certain people could recompense or find salvation. Only certain people could come close to God. And those were only those that the temple situation chose. And so this is what Jesus walked into, and he, he just got, he burned within him, and he started to do very un-Jesus things. No one on that day said, what would Jesus do? Because he was beating people with a whip. He was chasing them out. He was turning over tables. He was righteously angry against those who were, who were blocking others from experiencing the truth and the rest of God. What would Jesus do? And so we have to have a new kind of courage based on what Jesus would do. And we have to start shutting down the voice of unbelief. The voice of uncertainty. Because the voice of faith and the voice of belief says, God said. 
and so I will. God said, and so I am. God says, I am. And I am. And I are. (laughs) So Jesus, in that space, revealed the most dangerous thing we would face in society, and that is a false God or a real God presented to us in a false way. Stealing our freedom to have communion with God, but also lying to us about the effects of God in our life. And so stirring up people that just don't know what they believe and stirring up people who just don't know what faith is. And as an end result, people who don't know what salvation is. Because now when the church wants to present Jesus to the world, they go, I don't know if I can believe that. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that has any real power. The believing mind says, yes and amen. How many of you know that amen is the most powerful word you can say? It's not just supposed to be used before you eat baked beans on toast. I mean, (laughs) it's something you say which says, I have faith. I believe in God's word. I have heard his word. When I pray, I'm praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth your will be done in my life your will be done in my family's life as it is in heaven now and forever more amen means so be it i like how the word believe has the phrase the preface be so be it This is what we say when we pray and we say amen. Is that good? I'm going to leave it there. I think that's enough of that without going too far down too many tangents. I just had such an awareness of God's desire to save us and to set us free to experience real salvation. And so this morning I want to pray for us and and for you to just agree with me that that we will step out of all forms of unbelief. And so we would step into a belief that that isn't looking for the facts to line up and the stars to line up in in a fright and a favorable way, but we're looking for the presence of God. And we're, we're, we're... We're believing in his rest that is upon us, knowing that whatever we face, God will always be there. Whatever we go through, God will always be there. Whatever experiences we have, God will always be there. Whatever past we're coming from, whatever challenge to our faith, God will always be there. And so we step in complete rest. The Bible says, make a logical explanation of your faith. Be always ready to explain your faith. That means you have to have faith. When you're at the briar next time and someone's like, yes, I don't know, eh? and this, and you're like, dude, let me just set this conversation on the right direction. 
Let us guide you into truth, into all truth. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Let me just question this WhatsApp. Is this from faith or is this from unbelief? Is this from belief? Is this good for my spirit? Nah. Am I going to engage? Nah. What does belief look like? And may we become testament of what belief really, really looks like. Let's stand. Do you believe? (laughs) Father, just as we prayed last week and apologized and said sorry for being distracted, this morning we want to come together and say sorry, God. I am sorry for not believing fully. I am sorry that when I doubted, I was allowing unbelief in. I am sorry that when I was being tossed to and fro, it was because I allowed and chose the path of unbelief. And so, Father, I thank you that you gave us your Son, Jesus Christ, that he came to walk on this earth to demonstrate truth and that he consistently said, I do only what I see the Father doing. May that become our, our, our um, exclamation. May that become our, our phrase. May we say we only do what we see the Father doing. Your will, Father, be done on earth as it is in heaven. But thank you, Father, that he left the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. That truth is not a list of facts. That truth is not the negatives weighed against the positives. It's your spirit at work in our lives. And so, Father, this morning we want to walk in your truth. We want to rest in your truth, even as as we're being active. Father, that you'd give us the courage to lift our arms in battle, to stand up and even go into battle, to speak truth in all situations, to declare your truth over and above every, every thing we face. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have come to set us free. And your promise is that you will be with us. Your promise is you'll provide. Your promise is you'll bring peace and hope and joy. Your word says you dwell amongst us. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, may our lives be a testament of our faith in you. So we thank you for that, Father. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. May you have a blessed, blessed Sunday afternoon. May you enjoy your family, your friends, in safe environment. <laughs> and um, we look forward to seeing everyone back next week. Have an amazing Sunday. Be blessed. Remember to catch some coffee if you're new here. Come say If anyone needs prayer, come to the front. We, we're still... We'd like to pray for you, and so just come up so we can just pray for you and bless you. But may you be blessed, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.